Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have that freedom in your soul today? All right. I'm Pastor Andrew Gross. I'm one of the, uh, or I'm the associate pastor, one of the pastors here on staff at uh, Bethel Christian Fellowship. And um, we're very glad that you've joined us today on this Palm Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> this year, we are a few months into our year of increasing trust. And uh, let's see, if, there we go. Year of increasing trust. Now, 2017 was also a year of increasing trust, but uh, this year, our focus is a little more on the increasing trust in one another. We're, we, uh, we're trying to grow in our trust of, in God and also in our trust in one another. Uh, Pastor Steve has been taking us through the story of the Exodus, uh, the story of the Israelites' freedom from captivity in Egypt. And uh, we've spent, Pastor uh, Ben, a couple weeks ago, took us through uh, plague by plague, the different... Uh, kinds of pressures that God brought upon the oppressive Egyptians so that his people could go free. Uh, And last week, Pastor Steve uh, helped us understand the Passover. Now, one of the points Pastor Steve made was that you can't really understand the crucifixion of Jesus, which we are going to be celebrating, we're going to be commemorating this coming Friday. Uh, If if, uh, you've never been to one of our All Nations Family of Churches uh, Good Friday services, I would eagerly uh, invite all of you to come to that. It's a powerful time uh, for many different reasons. One of them is that we see people from all different nations all over the world come together in in unity and uh, love for God. And we get that little, it's one of those moments we get that little that little glimpse of heaven uh, where every tribe, tongue, and nation is, is uh, worshiping the Lord. Um, so I uh, encourage you to come to that. But we're going to be commemorating that this Friday. And like I said, you can't really fully understand the crucifixion of Jesus until you understand the Passover. And that's one of the reasons why Pastor Steve took us so carefully through the meaning, the significance, and the symbolism of the Passover. And then last week, kind of out of order, we spent time uh, with, uh, around the communion table uh, because the communion table is a, is a reflection of, and it comes out of, the meaning of the Passover. Well, today... We are going to be talking about, uh, up, up till now we've been talking about all this build-up to the Exodus, and today we get to talk about the actual Exodus. Uh, the title of the message is, Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. That's a quote from, uh, from Moses in chapter 14. We're going to be going through that in, in just a bit here. But just like you can't really understand the, full, the fullness of the crucifixion of Jesus, if you don't understand the Passover, you also can't really understand the full meaning of Jesus' resurrection if you don't understand the Exodus. If you don't understand that moment when the Israelites escaped from their oppressors, when they passed from slavery into freedom. And so today, we are going to spend time talking about that Exodus, that moment that the Israelites were set free from their bondage, the time they, became, they went from being slaves to free people. And, and uh, this is going to help us understand the resurrection that we celebrate next week on Easter, the, the Resurrection Sunday. Uh, my hope and desire is that all of us would, 
be able to walk in the fullness of the resurrection. Uh, Paul has this interesting phrase he writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He says uh, that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that caused him from being completely dead to being alive, that spirit is living in you if you are in Christ. Uh, now, and, and for Paul, this wasn't just a this wasn't just an idea. This wasn't just a theory. He wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 10. He said he wanted to know the power of the resurrection. He wanted the reality of the resurrection to actually be something in his own life, something that he was experiencing in his own life. And we as Christians, if we are in Christ, if we know Jesus, we also can walk in the resurrection power. It's my hope, it's my desire that each of us would be walking in the full resurrection power. But like I said, we can't really understand that, what that means, until we understand the Exodus. Until we understand that moment when the Israelites were set free from their bondage. Because resurrection, the resurrection that Jesus experienced and the resurrection that we will all experience and the resurrection life that we can walk in right now, all of that is a passage from slavery to freedom. So that's what we're going to talk about today. My question for you to kind of help us get ready for this before we dig into the actual text is what's your exodus? What is your exodus? By that I mean what is it that you need freedom from? What are you a slave to. Now, I mean that both personally and I also mean that corporately. You see, <clears throat> there are, the, the, the story of the Egyptians is supposed to illustrate to us, it's supposed to explain to us how we are born into captivity like the Israelites were to what the New Testament calls the powers and the principalities powers and the principalities. And that means a, a number of different things. Um, that, me, that phrase means the world and its institutions. It means the devil and his demons. It means the flesh and its des sinful desires. And it means death and the fear of it, ultimately. All those things the New Testament calls the powers and principalities. And the story of the Israelites getting freed from the Egyptians is supposed to explain to us, help us understand what it means to be set free from the powers and the principalities. And you see what Jesus does, Moses was, a, was, a, was sort of a, his whole life was an illustration of what Jesus does. So just like Moses, Moses went and confronted Pharaoh, the power, the greatest power at the time, and said, let my people go. In the same way, Jesus, on our behalf, stands before all these powers and principalities. Uh, he stands before the world and its institutions. He stands before the devil and, it, and his demons. He stands before the uh, flesh and our sinful desires. He stands before death itself and the fear of death. And he says, let my people go. That's what Jesus does, just like Moses did. In the same way, the other thing Moses was doing, besides confronting the powers and principalities, 
Moses was also trying to comfort and encourage the people and saying, trust God. God's going to do this. God's got this. God, remember God uh, promised Abraham all those years ago, we're only going to be in captivity for 400 years. Remember, God's going to take care of us. He's going to set us free. He was trying to comfort and encourage the people so they would believe and trust God again. In the same way, Jesus, by the work of his Holy Spirit in us, is saying to our souls right now, be encouraged, trust God, wait for the deliverance of God, stand firm and see what God's going to do. God's going to get you out of this. God is saying that. Jesus himself is saying that to our souls right now. So how is Jesus working at this present moment to set you free? What are the powers and the principalities that Jesus is confronting in your life and saying, let my people go? What are the powers and what what, what are the, how is he saying to you in the face of those powers and principalities, be encouraged, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord? Um. So what, 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 are, what are some of, the, some of those powers and principalities? Now, um, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's some obvious uh, ones. Um, some, some of us are in um, abusive and controlling uh, relationships. Some of us are in uh, negative relationships that we need to be set free from. Some of, them, some of us are oppressed by negative and, and, and abusive systems um, that we need to be set free from. Some of us have powers and principalities like um, addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions. And if you or anyone you know or love has ever struggled with an addiction, you know from, from either witnessing it yourself or experiencing it yourself that that's like a slave master. A slave master, say, you, you try to go one way and the, and the slave master says, nope, this way. And if you try to disobey, your chain gets yanked. And you don't have a choice but to do what your slave master tells you to do. So, so of course, addictions are, are uh, an obvious one. Sexual brokenness. I would, pr- I would say that every single human being that's ever lived except for Jesus himself has been bound by some form of sexual brokenness. There's hundreds of different kinds of sexual brokenness, uh, but, uh, many, but for, for, in some it's worse and the degree is higher and worse than others. Uh, but sexual brokenness can be a slave master that controls us. Um, how about, how about uh, for some of us, chronic multi-generational poverty? Not, I'm not talking about going through a hard time. I'm not talking about having a season that's leaner than other seasons. But I'm talking about um, where uh, poverty, just you, your, your whole family, and not just you yourself, but your generations before you and after can't seem to get free from this grinding control of generational chronic poverty. Now, those are some of the obvious slave masters, but what about some of the hidden slave masters that we must be freed from? Um, bitterness and unforgiveness. Some of us can't seem to free ourselves. We can't seem to choose to forgive and love, but we're wrapped up in and consumed by bitterness and unforgiveness. How about anger? We just can't seem to choose a non-angry reaction when we're going through something. Um, How about cruelty? I've met people who say they can't go to bed at night unless they're cruel to someone or something in some subtle way. Gossip. Gossip. We just can't refrain ourselves from that juice, sharing that juicy detail that's not ours to share. (laughs) All right. Um, Self-centeredness. 
we can't seem to be free from making it all about ourselves. No matter what, no matter how much, no matter what difficulty a good friend is going through, or, or no matter what celebration they're experiencing, uh, we just can't seem to uh, tur- not turn it on back uh, to be about ourselves. Um, negativity, just a negative, toxic attitude uh, and approach to life that just ends up uh, poisoning everybody else around us. Some of us can't seem to be free from negativity. Or how about drama? Drama. Yeah, drama is a power and principality. We need to have drama in our lives, some of us. And if it's not coming in our lives, we're going to create it ourselves. So how about, how about some of those hidden powers and principalities, some of those hidden slave masters that we need to be free from? But what about... What about some of the church-approved slave masters? Church-approved. Workaholism and busyness. You know, uh, if, if I came in here and, and, and said I you know, was, was, uh, was struggling with an addiction, of course, I'd have tons of people around me praying for me, laying hands on me. But if I said I was struggling with workaholism and busyness, I'd just go, oh, you know, that's too bad. But, but really, people would be approving of, of that because... Most of the time, other people benefit from our workaholism and our busyness. So um, how about uh, the slave master of self-sufficiency, where nobody else, we, we don't ever look to anybody else or anybody's help, but somehow we're an island, a rock, we can do it on our own. Uh, another church-approved slave master is judgmentalism and a critical spirit. Now, that's church-approved because it looks like discernment, at least on the surface, Right? Say, well, I'm just a very discerning person. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you're pretty critical and judgmental. <clears throat> um, here's one that gets church approved, though it's 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 hard to it's hard to detect this one. Sometimes we've made a certain cause, whether it's a political cause or a social cause, we've made that more important than our loyalty to Jesus. You might not be willing to die for Jesus. Whoa, whoa, if you talk about martyrdom for Jesus, like, whoa, whoa, pastor, that's too much. But if you talk about dying on the hill of this certain cause or this certain political situation, this certain political thing that you're fighting for, you're all over that. How many of us have made a certain cause more important than our loyalty to Jesus? Now, you might be thinking of this in, a, in the personal way, uh, and that, that's that, that's... These do afflict us personally, but some of these actually also afflict us corporately. Do you know whole nations, whole groups of people can get swept up into a power, a principality, a delusion? I'm right now reading a book uh, about um, a, a, a Christian philosopher and professor, and uh, he lived in Nazi Germany, and he was just bewildered and confounded about how so many of his colleagues, other really well-educated uh, very devout Christians who are getting swept up in the delusion of Nazism. And just one by one, and this, this book is, is, uh, that I'm reading, I'm right now in the depressing part because he's just talking about one friend after another who succumbs to this delusion of Nazism. And, and these are well-educated and many devoutly Christian people who got swept up into this. This wasn't the, the, the pagans and the hedonistic people who got, they got swept up into it too, but... Um, and so whole nations can get swept up into delusions. And so my question, what is your exodus? 
uh, isn't just for you personally and privately, but it's also, are there, are there powers and principalities that the groups I'm involved with have, or the, 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 the nations I'm a part of or whatever, have gotten swept up into? And if that's the case, part of our job as the church is to join with Jesus, where Jesus, remember I said a moment ago, Jesus is standing there, just like Moses, confronting the powers and principalities, saying, let my people go. Where do we need to join with Jesus and confront the powers and principalities and say, let my people go? Let my people go. And like Jesus, where do we need to join with the people who are suffering under one kind of power or principality or another and say, stand by, wait, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. All right? So, and that's actually part of the whole purpose of, of Lent. The whole reason, one of, one of the whole reasons we spend uh, many weeks ahead of, of the, the celebration of the resurrection and we take that focused time to pray and to humble ourselves Part of what we're doing is we're actually joining with Jesus uh, as he does what, what Moses did and confront the powers and principalities in prayer and say, let my people go. And we are also going to the people who are being afflicted by these powers and principalities, and we're saying, stand by, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. All right. <clears throat> now, if you are wondering, we're about to get into the text here in just a, a minute, but if, if, if you're wondering, is it worth it? Is it worth it to be set free from the powers and principalities? All right? And, and, and we'll find out as we're about to discover, and we, as we look through the text, the Israelites weren't necessarily always convinced that it was worth it to be set free from the powers and the principalities. All right? Um, but one of the things I, I want you to notice, after they were set free in Exodus chapter 15, one of the things that... Um, they, this is a song that they sang in celebration of being set free. One of the things they said is, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, and working wonders? Now, the reason I'm highlighting that is because this is an instance where the Israelites, and it lasted briefly, it was for a moment, but for a moment, they got what God was trying to tell them through this whole Exodus experience. Because you remember, Pastor Steve has been very careful over previous weeks to help us understand this. Uh, There's this theme all in the the previous uh, 14 chapters where God is saying, I'm going to do this so that they will know that I am the Lord. I'm doing this so that they will know that I am the Lord. Uh, If we take a look at uh, just a few uh, of the quotes that have come up frequently in Pastor Steve's preaching, uh, chapter 5, verse 2 says, is that so? retorted Pharaoh, and who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And one of the things God made sure of was that Pharaoh knew who the Lord was. Uh, or chapter 6, verse 7, uh, God says this to the Israelites, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Or again in chapter 7, verses 4 and 5, I will rescue my people from the land of Egypt with great acts of justice. Then I will raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites. The, when I do that, the Egyptians will know that I am the God, that I am the Lord. 
All right? So God <clears throat> wants us to know, and as we discover, just a little sneak peek. Oops, whoops. I want to see that. Sneak peek. They do get it for a brief moment. For a brief moment, they are able to sing, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? All that to say, is it worth it for you to go through an exodus? Is it worth it for you to be set free from the powers and principalities? It's worth it because you get to know who God is. And that is the highest and best of all treasures, is that you would know who the Lord is. And I really hope that, like the, that you will learn to know who God is like the Israelites learned as an object of rescue and not like the Egyptians learned that God is a Lord, as we're going to discover. Okay, so let's get into the text. We're going to be here for a little while. So get comfortable, not too comfortable, but comfortable. You're going to want to open up your Bibles or pull out your device And we're going to turn to chapter 12. We're going to skip. Pastor Steve covered a lot of chapter 12 last week. So we're going to skip down to verse 31. Chapter 12, verse 31. Chapter 12, verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh, this is after the 10th plague. All right, we've had these 10 horrible plagues. The 10th plague in which the firstborn member of every Egyptian household has died. Chapter 12, verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go. And also bless me. Now, this is interesting. Pastor Ben pointed out a couple weeks ago that uh, in every one of the plagues, Pharaoh was trying to maintain some form of control over this. He'd say, okay, some of you guys can go, but, but leave your women and children here. Some of you can go, but leave your flocks and herds here. Now he's finally saying, let them all go without conditions, except for the condition he wanted to be blessed. But he's finally, this, finally letting them all go. Chapter, or, sorry, chapter 12, verse 33. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. As we, Pastor Steve carefully explained last week about the Passover. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Uh, take very careful note of this. This is going to this, this gold and silver, it's going to come in very in a very important way later in coming weeks and months in the story. Uh, so take note of that. Uh, also, I, I just want you to also notice, when the Lord delivers us from our enemies, from the powers and principalities, we get to plunder them. Okay? That's a cool, really good thing you should rejoice in. We get to plunder whatever those... Uh, and, and, and partly, like if you've been through an addiction... Um, God uses all those experiences, as horrible as they they may have been, um, God uses all of those experiences. You basically get to plunder out of those experiences things that end up becoming treasures uh, for the worship of God and for the spread of the kingdom later. All right, but we'll come back to that theme in future weeks and months. Verse 37, the Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth. They were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, 
Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. Uh, it, it's, it's been estimated that there was around 2 million people, uh, if, if you count all the women and children and, and the others who came with them. Uh, so 2 million people, not easily moved. Not easily moved, I will say that. Not that I've tried it myself, but not easily moved. Verse 39, with the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. Again, this is the Passover. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Pastor Steve explained all that last week. Verse 40, now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. You need to note that, okay? Because this, (laughs) releasing them on the 430th year to the day, that's a sign of God's faithfulness. You and I need to cling to the faithfulness of God when we're on the verge of being set free, when we are on the verge of being released from captivity to whatever it is. We need to cling to the faithfulness of the Lord in those moments. Remember, God had promised this freedom ages ahead of time. He's promised you and I freedom ages ahead of time. Verse 42, because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Uh, Pastor Steve talked last week a lot about about the importance of remembering. And, uh, you know, if this was important for the Israelites to remember, it is incredibly important for us to remember. Uh, It has been noted before that falling away from the Lord begins with forgetting. When, when people fall away from the Lord, it's usually because they've forgotten what the Lord has done in their lives. God knew that about them, and he, so he wanted to make sure they remembered. Returning to the Lord almost always begins with remembering. Almost always begins with remembering. Okay, we're going to skip several uh, verses. We're going to Go into chapter 13, and we're going to go to verse 17. Chapter 13, verse 17. We're just going to cover the last little bit of of chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, when God does not lead you on a straight route to where you think you're going. Okay? And it's probably because God knows that if you knew about the challenges that you're going to face, you'd want to go back to slavery. Okay? So don't be surprised when his route that he takes you towards freedom is a twisty and turny route. Okay? God's doing that on purpose because he knows, just like the Israelites, We are faint-hearted. So in verse 18, God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. You guys remember we learned about Moses for weeks and weeks back in the winter? Um, Because Moses had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. I, I don't know what bones God has given you in the midst of your slavery, whatever that slavery is, but surely God has given you something to hold on to 
like they had the bones of Joseph to hold on to. And you need to hold on to that remembering, because the promise that came with those bones was that God will surely come to your aid. Whatever the form of slavery it is, whatever the power and principality it is that you're facing, or the group of people you're part of is facing, hold on to whatever bones God gave you. He surely gave you some, because he wants you to know he will surely come to your aid. He is faithful. Cling on to all these little signs of his faithfulness. Verse 20. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord... Um, whoop, go ahead. Two. There we go. <clears throat> by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. We're going to come back to that. We're going to uh, learn a lot more about this pillar of cloud uh, in subsequent weeks. Um, if you're going to come ahead to me to chapter 14. Chapter 14. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back, turn back, hmm, and encamp near Piharioth between Migdal and the sea. They, they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think. Now, First off, if you're one of the Israelites, this is, this is, you're, you're going to think in another instance of Moses is crazy, okay? And the Israelites are going to think that a lot in the upcoming, in the upcoming parts of the story. Uh, but they really think this because he's saying, turn back, and he's, people, the people of Israel are realizing how obvious it is. It looks like God's entrapping them between the Egyptians and the sea. It looks like, and, and don't be surprised, by the way, when God is about to set you free, it often feels like you're in a worse trap than you were before, okay? Don't be surprised when it feels like you're in a worse trap than you were in before. Um, but there's a purpose behind it. Verse 3, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering about the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden... Pharaoh again. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Verse 5. Then the king of Egypt told, was told that the people had fled. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he made his chariot ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Now, <clears throat> don't be surprised when your former captors don't let you go easily. All right? Don't be surprised, whether it's an addiction whether it's one of these hidden sins of the heart, whether it's one of those church-approved powers or principalities, whether it's a power principality that afflicts a whole nation, don't be surprised that it chases you down. It does not want to let you go. Don't be surprised. Don't give way to fear in this instance. Uh, verse 8, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians... All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Harioth, opposite Baal-Zephon. 
as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Again, don't be surprised that your former captor is marching after you. They were terrified and cried to the Lord. They were terrified and cried to the Lord. They said to Moses, and this is interesting, they were terrified. Only two verses before this, it says they marched out boldly. In fact, a better translation of the original Hebrew is that they marched out defiantly. They were like, yeah, we are free. Woo-hoo! And they were marching and excited and confident. And just a short time later, it says that they were terrified. They cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. I'm just going to warn you if this hasn't happened to you yet. This kind of attitude will creep up into your heart when you are on the verge of freedom. This attitude will creep up into your heart. You need to be vigilant against this because you're going to, even death at the hands of your former captors looks better than death out in the wilderness. Don't be surprised. This will come to you uh, in the middle of it. Do we, do we ever react this way? I, think. I know I do. I know I do. Um, and, 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 and one of the important things you want to take away from this is that it's usually on the verge of freedom, right when you're on the edge of freedom, that these sorts of temptations to go back to slavery most afflict you. Does that make sense? A, a lot of us think the further away we get from our captors, it's just going to get easier and easier. It's usually right at the verge of freedom, right on the edge of freedom. That's when you need to be most vigilant about this. Um, and, and, and be wary of the fear that comes at this time. Fear paralyzes us. Fear is one of those things that makes us lose perspective. All right? Any, when you're ever discerning, trying to discern the right way or the wrong way to go, and if you're ever trying to discern the way forward into freedom, remember fear is always going to make you lose perspective. It's always going to delude and twist the reality and the truth of the situation. Okay? Be wary above all things of fear. Be wary above all things of fear. All right. I'm going to keep um, going in this. Uh, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverances of the Lord. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is what the Lord, I'm going to read this, this quote again from Moses, because the Lord's saying this to you and me. And the Lord probably wants you to say this to somebody else or to other groups of people. All right? <clears throat> this is part of our function uh, in, to imitate Jesus and stand between um, uh, the powers and principalities and help those who, and comfort those who are being oppressed by them. The, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. 
stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still and let the Lord make this happen. All right, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hands, and uh, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who'd been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. You got the pillar of cloud. Uh, the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, uh, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, and the entire army of of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites, and this is the good news for us this morning, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. You see, brothers and sisters, God is going to make a way out of no way. God is going to make a way where a way doesn't exist. Whatever the power or principality is that oppresses you, whatever the form of enslavement is that you personally experience or a form of enslavement that your people personally experience 
or a form of enslavement that another group of people on the other side of the world experience, whatever that form of slavery is, God is going to make a way where there was no way. God is going to create an opening that no one could have ever imagined, no one could have ever guessed, no one, no uh, scientist or mathematician could have ever calculated or figured out or predicted. God is going to make a way out of no way. And this very way of escape for God's people is going to become a way of execution for God's enemies. So all those powers and principalities that we named, the world and its institutions, the devil and his demons, the flesh and its sinful desires, death itself and the fear of death, all of those things, the very way that you escaped is going to become a form of execution and destruction for those powers and principalities that have oppressed you. And and even if you haven't yet experienced that freedom yet, even if you just tasted, even if you're on the verge of it, you can start rejoicing even now about that freedom. You can start rejoicing even now in that moment. Um, uh, when the Israelites made it to the other side, when they crossed the Red Sea on dry land, um, uh, turn with me to the next chapter, chapter 15. We're going to just read through the celebration that they experienced. It says here that uh, Miriam, uh, this is an ancient um, uh, piece of art uh, showing Miriam and taking the women, and uh, they rejoiced uh, with, uh, with timbrels, and they were so excited about what the Lord had done. Miriam was the, the sister of Moses. It says here in chapter 15, verse, verse 1, and I just want to encourage you, as I've asked you earlier, what's your exodus? What are you, what's God setting you free from? Um, I want you to hear the sound of this rejoicing, and I want you to let it seep into your consciousness. That's the sound of rejoicing you can start experiencing right now. Chapter 15, verse 1, Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. They got it. Both horse and driver, he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy in the greatness of your majesty. You threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your hand, and the earth swallows your enemies in your unfailing love. You will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. 
by the power of your arm. They will be still as stone until your people pass by, Lord, until your people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. And then Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea. The Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang them a song, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. So we're going to have the worship team come back up. And in this next song, I want to encourage you right now to, by faith, trust God's going to make a way out of no way for you. God is going to make a way out of no way for your people. God is going to make a way out of no way for the people you know you've been praying for who've been oppressed. God is going to make a way out of no way from all of the powers and the principalities. And the very way of escape for you is going to become a way of execution for God's enemies, for the powers and the principalities. And I I want you to just repeat this with me. We're going to say this together like Miriam, the prophet, said. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Everyone say that with me. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Say that with me. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Together we're going to say that. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Let us rejoice together. Let us stand firm in faith that God's going to make a way for you and me. Amen. Lord, there is power in your name, and I want to ask, Father, God, that everyone in this room, everyone who hears this message on the internet, Lord, we want to pray right now for power to break every chain, every form of slavery, whether it's a form of slavery that afflicts individuals or inflicts afflicts whole groups of people or even whole nations. Lord, we pray, we know that in the name of Jesus, there is power. Lord, I pray for everyone present in this room, everyone listening to this, Lord God, that there would be, you would show people everyone's Red Sea. Lord, you would show the way out of no way and you would give us courage to stand firm and wait for the salvation of the Lord. Lord, we have only to stand firm. We have only to be still. Give everyone in this, this room and everyone hearing this, Lord God, give everyone the grace to stand still and look to you for the exodus. Look to you for freedom. Look to you for release so that we can walk in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that everyone in this room as they leave here would be walking in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. Come and be with us now. Come and go with us. We could go out into a dying world and proclaim the release and the freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen.